Hey everybody, this is David Perkins. You're listening to the Desperation Podcast. Join us this summer for the Desperation Conference at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, July 9th through 11th. For more information and resources, go to desperationonline.com. We got four different stories. They're going to come up. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to hand the microphone over. I know this sounds crazy. We're handing this all over to you guys. Are you ready for this? All right. So we've got four different stories. All right. First, Casey's going to come up and she's going to talk a little bit about becoming a disciple of Jesus. All right. Then Zach's going to come up. He's going to talk about being a leader. He's going to talk about how God transformed him at desperation. And he went back to be a leader at a school. Some of the things that he gave up in order to be a leader. All right. And let's see who else is coming up. Victor's coming up. Victor's going to come up. He's going to talk about... Being a leader, Miranda's going to come up. She's going to talk about what God did in her heart and how she went back massively different and some of the ways that God, God used Desperation Conference to transform her identity. It's going to be powerful. So when these four come up, I think in about, not quite that order, but close. All right. When they come up, I want you to give them a big, big shout. Casey's first. Let's give it up. Come on. Give it. Let's shout it, shout it down. Here we go. Hi, I'm Casey Jolly. Um, I'm a DLA intern this year. I'm a first year. I am from Amarillo, Texas. <laughs> okay, um, so I guess I'll just start with sharing my testimony. Um, so I was born and raised in a Christian home. Uh, my mom, she like spoke in tongues. We went to church and all that kind of stuff. So it was good. Um, my sister, she's, I have an older sister and an older brother. Uh, my sister started doing drugs whenever she was about 14 years old. So I kind of like knew about drugs whenever I was a young, like, like really young, um, about nine years old, she started teaching me about all of it. And so, um, so I kind of like, I kind of like wanted acceptance from her. So I never really told on her. I never really like, um, wanted her to get in trouble. So I, um, so I never really told on her. I just kind of kept her, um, like as safe as I could because I just wanted her to love me and stuff like that. And my parents fought. It was just a really bad time. But I promised myself that I was never going to do that. I promised myself that I was never going to put my parents, what my sister put my parents through. Um, eighth grade came and I just ended up doing that. I ended up putting them um, exactly what she put them through. In fact, I got really bad into drugs. I just started smoking weed. That was freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. Um, just got really bad in just prescription drugs and worse drugs. It got really bad. And then I got caught, me and my friend Mary, that's who I did everything with. She's my best friend. Um, I got caught, and um, that was a really hard time, but I don't know. I mean, it was good because that's whenever God really started to change my life. And I met this family. Um, her name is Brentley. She, well, she was the daughter of this girl, Tra- this lady Tracy, who I met at a baptism class. I was not ready to get baptized, but. Um, I had been praying at all. I was not ready. I just did it because I was living one big, huge lie. I told my mom, I was like, I'm ready to get baptized. And I really wasn't like at all. And, um, and so I went to the baptism class, met Tracy. She told me about her daughter, Brintley, who would like to baptize or disciple me. And so I started getting discipleship, um, got really involved with that family. And they just like totally changed my perspective on God and, and how I saw God and, um, stuff like that. And so, and so I started getting involved with the youth group at my church. I was born and raised in a church. And so I always kind of knew God. I just never really like wanted to know him. Like while I was doing drugs, I just pushed him, pushed him aside. And I was like, no, like 
that's a rules. Like, I don't want to follow any rules. I was like, I want to live a free life. I'm my own person. I have my own life. I do my own thing. Um, and so I, so I started getting involved with my youth group and that's never God really started to change my life. I was still struggling with smoking weed. I was still smoking weed during this time. Um, and so, but whenever I got really, really involved with my youth group, I got around a community of people who loved God. And I had never had any friends that loved God. I had friends that smoked weed and pursued drugs and didn't pursue God. And so it was different for me to have friends that loved God. And so I got, around, I got involved with this community, um, started changing my life. So I stopped smoking weed. And then during this time, the desperation promo package, I had never heard of desperation ever, like never heard of anybody in it. Just didn't even know anything about it. And the desperation promo package showed up on my doorstep uh, with my name on it. And I was like, it says desperation. I was like, what is this? Like, why is this on my doorstep? Opened it, um, had the flyers, the posters, all that. And I, re- I watched the video, and I knew that it was from God as soon as I watched the video. I was like, this is from Jesus. And, <laughs> um, and so I watched the video, just started crying. And I was like, okay, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to make a point to be there. I was like, I'm going to be at that desperation conference. Like, I will go alone if I have to, but I will be there. And so um, so I made a point to be there, took, it, took the promo package to my... Um, Took it to my youth pastor. I was like, this showed up on my doorstep. I was like, can we get a group together and go? They weren't able to go. So I convinced my cousin to go with me. And I was looking into YWAM because I wanted to be a missionary. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. And <laughs> I was looking into YWAM, wanted to be a missionary. It became more about traveling the world rather than um, the glo- like God's glory. And so came to desperation. God told me differently. He's like, you're not going to do missions the way that you think that you're going to do missions. That was clear. And he told me, and then the intercession story, the play that they did with Woody, um, I think that's how you pronounce her name, Woody. She, Woody, thank you. She did, um, the intercession play and it was like the Bible and the cup and she was passing it back and forth. And I remember watching that and I was like, that's my life. I was like, that's what I do. But it wasn't a cup. It was a a pipe. <laughs> it was a pipe and a Bible and I was passing it and passing it. And here's my Bible. Here's my pipe. And so, um, I saw that and that's never, he told me like, I'm calling you to be an intercessor. You're going to be an intercessor. I didn't even know what that meant, but I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be an intercessor. And so, and so, um, and so basically like that's whenever I just, that's, I got involved with, I went, well, I went outside, I went to the DLA booth and I talked to Susie Gaskins for two hours and she convinced me to do DLA. And so I came to DLA and here I am. And now, um, I don't find my identity in drugs because drugs don't satisfy you. (laughs) They don't, they don't satisfy you. Trust me. Okay. Like they're going to let you down and your friends that do drugs are going to let you down. The only people that are going to be there for your friends, God, Okay. Your friends like that actually love God because they're going to stick with you and they hold you accountable and your friends that smoke weed, they're going to encourage you and you feed off of them. And then you're going to meet their friends and then you're going to keep doing drugs. And so it's just find a group of friends. I can't emphasize that your friends are like, you're going to become who you hang out with. Like if you're hanging out with a pothead, you're going to start smoking weed. If you're going to hang out with somebody who loves God, you're going to start loving God. Like it's going to, it's just, it comes naturally. Like it's who you hang out with. Like bad company corrupts good morals. Like it's true. It's so true. And trust me, like I lived it. And, 
And I can't emphasize your friends enough. Choose your friends wisely in high school. Like, please. Oh, okay. Anyways. And so, okay. Am I good on time? Okay. I'm sorry. Um, mm, so I'm no longer, okay. So basically like I don't find my identity in drugs. I don't find my identity in, you know, I created this like facade of who I wanted to be and who I thought that I was. And that's not who God created me to be. Like we weren't created to live for worldly things. Like we weren't created to live, to get high. We weren't created to live, to, um, just do things of this world. That's what the devil wants you to think. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. Like, this is, you know, it's like pastor Jimmy Evans said one time, like he calls him the hurt whisperer. Like he's on one side saying like, Oh, this is so good. You're going to love it. And then he's on the other side saying, look at what you've done. Like you're pathetic. Like it's so true because he gives you, he makes it look so great. And then he's on the other side, like, like, look at you, like, look at what you've done. And then you feel guilt and shame and so just, just find your identity in Jesus because that is, that's, who's going to satisfy you. That's, who's going to keep you going. And he's never going to give up on you. Everything else, all these worldly things are going to fade. They're gone. They're leaving. Like God is going to be there forever. And his love is unfailing and everlasting. And just, just base your identity in Jesus. Don't base your identity in boys and in drugs and just everything of this world. Like it's all, it's all going to die. And Jesus is, you know, eternal. Like he's never going to die. I mean, like he's alive and he's real and he's working. And so, yes. So, um, I'm just going to pray and then Zach is going to come up. Um, Jesus, I just thank you for these students. Jesus, I just thank you for what you're doing in their life. God, I, I thank you for that. You have a calling for each and every single one of them. God, I pray that you would open their eyes, God, to that. You do have something for them, Jesus, that you do pursue them and you want them and you're going to use them. Jesus, I pray um, for their hearts to be open, to receive whatever you have for them throughout their life. God, that they would just consecrate them, their lives to you, Jesus. They would be intercessors and, um, that they would, that they would choose their friends wisely. I pray that you would send um, a community of people in their lives that love you, that make them want to love you more that make them not want to run towards worldly things. Jesus, I thank you for each and every single one of them and Jesus name I pray. Amen. What's up, DSM? So, my name is Zach Dillon. I am a second year student in DLA. I'm in CORE in the DLA School of Ministry, and I have been around DSM for a while now. A long time. I started coming when I was in eighth grade, and I would worship over there with John Egan and the Desperation Band, back with TAG. So, I've been here for a while, and I just want to say I'm proud of this youth ministry, and I'm proud of the students here that are continuing what the Lord started, and you guys are continuing the legacy that the Lord has um, released in here, and you're uh, carrying the prophetic vision that God released into DSM. So, I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud to be a part of DSM. I'm proud to continue to, continue to be a part of DSM, and you guys are great. So, um, yeah, I just want to talk to you about what the Lord has done in my life and specifically at Desperation Conference. And he's been so good to me, and I don't deserve any of it. But I just want to really share with you uh, how he's transformed my life and changed me. And so I grew up in a Christian home. 
and really had that foundation of knowing Jesus. I really met the Lord in junior high, really uh, had a personal relationship with him in junior high, like where I remember worshiping and weeping before the Lord and really engaging with Jesus, where I knew Jesus was my own thing. But um, the issue was that I believed that God wanted me to be good, and that was about it. Where what G- I believed that the Lord, like his call, what it meant to be a Christian was to act like a Christian. I'm like, okay, great. Like, I guess I'll go do this then. I'll act like a Christian. I'll do the right things. And like, and I was doing it well, like where I didn't go, I didn't fall into sin in high school. I didn't go and uh, do drugs and do stuff like that. But, um, but my heart was like empty where it was my life. And I'm like, this is who I am. This is my life, my identity. And then the Lord in like Christianity was just something else that I did or something else I put on where I'm like, the dreams of my heart are my own. My heart is my own, but Christianity is something I'm going to do too. And with that, like I did the whole Christian thing well, where I was in leadership, I was in student leadership here. I did, like, I wasn't doing bad things. I was a good kid doing the right things, but, um, like there was something missing. And that really kind of came out my junior year. I started, uh, dating a girl specifically. And cause it was kind of like the collision course between my heart and the Lord's heart from my life. And so this was something where I'm like, great, this is what I want to do. I want to date her. But the Lord's like, probably not. And I didn't listen. I was disobedient. And I don't know how many of you guys can relate with that, where the Lord says, don't do something and you go and do it. And then lo and behold, it falls apart. But um, yeah, so I started going into this relationship and it just came out. I'm like, why do I feel so terrible inside where the Lord would convict me and convict me? And then I would go and hang out with her and I'd feel so convicted. And it was just this double life and double standard where I was claiming authority over my own life while the Lord wanted authority over my life and I wasn't giving it to him. So, um, that was the summer of 2011. My, after my junior year, I was about to be a senior and I was at the desperation conference. The theme that year was no compromise, well-fitted for my life at that point. But, um, yeah, it was the second conference in July and, uh, the speaker was banning Liebscher from Bethel and Jesus culture. If you have not heard of him, I suggest you come to desperation this year and hear him speak because he's an amazing guy. So, um, but he was speaking specifically about giving everything to the Lord and being wholehearted before the Lord. And, um, this, like, I just felt stirred where he was uh, talking about like, you're not holy because of what you don't do. Like you're not holy because you don't have sex and you're not holy because you don't do drugs, but you're holy because you give everything to Jesus. Jesus is not looking for you not to sin. Jesus is looking for your heart. Jesus is looking for you to give everything to him. And we're in a culture where we can act in the right way and do the, do the right things, but our hearts are far from the Lord. And that's completely where I was at, where I was walking the walk. I did the right things, but my heart was not given to Jesus. So the Lord convicted me, uh, Bannon gave an altar call. He's like, who wants to like give your life to the Lord fully? And I'm like, yes, Jesus. I felt stirred. I felt something moving inside. So I went up, I responded. And then there you go and worship. The Lord's like, break up with your girlfriend. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, that was weird. I've never had that happen before. And I'm like, so I start, keep on singing. Lord's like, break up with your girlfriend. I'm like two times now, like, this is so strange. And then I started worshiping again. It was like, break up with your girlfriend. And it was just like over and over and over. And for me, it was more than just breaking up with my girlfriend. It was saying, Jesus, you have authority over my life. You have authority to direct me. You have authority to control me. The dreams of my heart don't belong to me. The dreams of my heart are yours. My life is yours. My life is fully yours. And it's not about me. It's about you. So, uh, it was a hard night. 
I was up all night. I broke up with my girlfriend the next morning. I lost all of my friends. Everyone's like, you're just using her. You're an awful person. But Jesus was with me through it. And from that, I gave myself to the place of prayer because I had nowhere else to go. I met Jesus. I fell in love with a man who's real, a man who um, loves me, who has complete ownership over my life. And from that place, he gave me leadership. He gave me anointing. I went back to my high school campus that year, and he filled me with the Holy Spirit. And he gave me vision and passion and anointing to reach my classmates. And and it was all because I said yes. And it wasn't about walking the walk, but it was about giving my whole heart to the Lord. And I honestly feel tonight that there's there's people in here, and like people in leadership, good DSM kids, where you've you've been walking the walk, and you know what to do. You know the right things to say. But Jesus isn't fully in your heart. You haven't given everything to the Lord and he is jealous for you and he is jealous for your heart and he's not content to keep on doing what you're doing and he wants more of you. And when you give all of yourself to him, he gives you all of himself to you. And that's what I saw when I gave him everything. I'm like, Jesus, my life is not my own. My, the plans I have for college are not my own. My plans for relationship are not my own. And I said, Jesus, you take, take everything. I am not fit to make my own decisions. And the Lord's like, great. And he took my life and he used me and he impacted people and he brought power and he brought heaven to earth through me because I let him. So for you guys tonight, I'm just going to pray for you, but just be open to the Holy Spirit. What does he want from you? Because he doesn't want you to act right. Jesus is not concerned with your behavior. He's concerned with your heart. So just be open, open up for the Holy Spirit right now. So um, Jesus, I ask right now, God, that you would start tugging on hearts, Father, the ones, Lord, that haven't been fully surrendered to you, Jesus. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd convict them right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that you'd bring a supernatural conviction over them, Lord, that they would feel your heart for them, God, that your heart for them is not, Jesus, for them to act right, but your heart is for them to give everything to you, Jesus. I ask that you would receive your reward in this room, God, that students would give you everything, Jesus. And when they do, Lord, and when they make that commitment and they say, God, take all of me, Jesus, here's all my heart that you would use them, Lord. I ask for revival to break out in high schools because of the yes tonight, Jesus. I ask for power to come down from heaven because of the yes tonight, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, come and mark students, God. I ask for a a holy marking, God, that you would mark those that say yes. Jesus, mark the ones that say yes to you, God, that you would use them, God, that you would anoint them and you would use them to shake this city, Jesus. Be glorified through our hearts. God, be glorified through our yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. You guys are going to be hearing from Miranda. How are you guys doing? My name is Miranda, and um, I'm a first-year DLA intern, and I'm from Olathe, Kansas. And so just a little background into my life is that I was born into a broken family. Um, I didn't meet my dad until I was about four or five years old. And we never had a loving relationship through my childhood or anything. And um, Then my mom, when I was seven, came to church and she came to know Jesus. And so from that point on, um, I was raised in a Christian home, raised in church, but still never really grasped the idea of having a personal loving relationship with Christ. And at age 14 in 2009, I um, went to my first desperation conference and the Lord just really encountered my heart. And just, I knew that he had a calling on my life that was so much greater than anything I could plan. And I remember watching the, the um, video of people that were in DLA and seeing how their lives were changed. And I knew then that I wanted to come and 
do that. And so after camp, I went back into life, back into school, back into normal, and still just didn't quite grasp what it was like to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And um, so went through my school year, my freshman year, and when I was 15 on Father's Day, um, my dad told me that I was the only mistake um, that he had ever made in his life. And that really just shaped the way that I viewed myself. Um, if my dad couldn't love me, who could? Um, really just made me feel like a mistake, like I was unwanted. And um, so I started seeking my um, identity in boys and relationships. And my sophomore year, started dating this guy. And um, we dated for a few months. And he had really just pressured me to sleep with him, to sleep with him. And after saying no several times, um, he had forced himself on me. And um, after that, I really had no self-respect, no dignity, no identity. I felt worthless, and I felt like all that I had was what I had to offer. And um, so from that, I started to drink. I started to use drugs. I started to party um, and just looking for satisfaction, looking for distraction and things of this world and, and just had no relationship with Jesus. Quit going to church, quit um, going to youth group, didn't pray, didn't listen to worship music, nothing. And so that following summer, 2011, my mom made me go to youth camp. And I was actually um, with Kayla Sprague, and she was my team leader. And we had to do, like, competitions and stuff, and so we had to do this skit. And she picked the everything skit that Pure Rebellion had just performed a couple weeks ago. And she picked me to play the lead role. And she had no idea, like, what I was going through or anything like that. And no idea how it related to my life at that time. And even though I didn't realize it then, the Lord was just reaffirming that he had a calling for me. He had purpose in my life. And going home, I really had a genuine desire to change my actions, so I stopped partying, I stopped drinking, I stopped smoking, and but I was just so held back from guilt and from shame, and um, but I really just wanted to change my life, and so I started going to church, I started doing all the good Christian things to do, started going to youth group and praying and and leading, and still had no real knowledge of who God was or how He loved me or anything like that, and. So now it's summer 2012, we went to desperation, um, and I remember watching the vow experience, and, and it so was connected to identity, and it so resonated within my heart, um, and just the Lord reawakened my desire to do DLA, and reawakened the idea that he had a purpose for me, and, and despite the things that I had done over the past few years, despite the mistakes that I had made, he still saw something in me, and he still is going to use me um, despite my past. And so in my excitement to do DLA, I um, filled out my application in March of 2013, um, just last year, and, and life was good. Everything was going great, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to go, and September's going to be here before I know it. And then in May, um, May 31st, my mom passed away of cancer really suddenly. And I was just immediately confronted um, with how little I knew of God, how little I knew of his love, and just how little I knew of my identity in him. And I went through this summer just really broken, really hurting, really upset with God and um, I was still going to DLA. I still came out in September, really out of an act of obedience, knowing that this is where I was supposed to be. 
And um, I didn't really know what to expect, but I had a willing heart, and I wanted to receive change. I wanted to receive healing. And so the Lord just really met me where I was at. He met me and walked through shame and guilt and pain. And, and even though I had stopped the outward actions of sin, shame and guilt were so rooted within my heart that it kept me from drawing near to the Lord. And so I just learned this whole new idea of who God was, that he's loving and that he is so faithful and so trustworthy and just walking in identity and learning who he calls me to be, learning who he wants me to be and um, just having a genuine joy in him despite my circumstances. And, and I still, I wake up every single day having to choose to submit to him, having to choose to submit to how he wants to work in my life. And And I'm still growing every day. And so I just want to let you guys know that no matter where you're at in your journey, um, no matter the mistakes that you've made, like the Lord still has a plan and he has a purpose and he has um, just desire for your life. And, And when I first got to DLA, the first week we had to do a retreat in Denver and we had to share our testimonies. And I remember ending my testimony with my mom just died and I'm mad at God. And looking back from there in September to now, I can just say the Lord has done so much transformation. And I have grown so much and just love him and have a passionate desire for him. And so I just want to pray over you guys real quick that, Lord, I just thank you for each and every one of these students that is here tonight, Jesus. I just pray that you would speak identity into each and every one of them, Lord, that they would know who you've called them to be, Jesus, that they would not look down upon themselves because of their mistakes, Lord, that they would not look down upon themselves because of the things they've done. Jesus, I pray that they would leave this world behind and seek you and, and seek who you are, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. I just want to welcome Victor Mendoza up. Well, hello, DSM. I'm Victor Mendoza, 10th grader. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm a 10th grader at College Pathways. I've been uh, going to DSM for four years, been going to New Life for as long as I can remember. Um, I was uh, born in Oklahoma City, but uh, was raised mostly in Colorado. (laughs) Come on, Pastor David. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I was raised in New Life, raised in a Christian family. So, you know, I grew up with the, you know, the I am free, the John Egan, you know. I'm free. Come on. <laughs> so um, basically, I just want to talk to you guys about um, what God's been doing in, uh, in me and my school just really recently, actually, um, at College Pathways. Um, it kind of started at Desperation. Um, if any of you guys have been to Desperation, just, just, just give me a shout real fast. Nice. That's the majority of you. So yeah, you guys know how crazy desperation is. You know, we got worship going on. You know, we got people worshiping. We got people, you know, getting healed and the Holy Spirit was moving. I call it, you know, a spirit moment. Uh, but there was all these spirit moments going on and, uh, I just felt like um, God was really just starting to put a burden on my heart for my school. And where I feel like he really confirmed that was, uh, it was an afternoon session on Friday. And Corey Asbury was singing, um, All is for Your Glory. And there's a bridge there that says, just put me anywhere, God. Just put your glory in me and I'll serve anywhere. Just let me see your beauty. And then it goes on to say, catch me up in your story. All my life is for your glory. So I feel like at that time, God was really just saying, hey, I want you to, to uh, reach out to your school. And I feel like he was kind of putting on my heart that that desperation is is a launching point. So many of us get so excited about desperation. We're like, yes, like God use me. But the minute desperation's over, 
where we just kind of go back to our lives. We go back to our apathy. We go back to just living the life. And I feel like God was really calling me out of that and saying, desperation is only the beginning. It's only the launching point into what I've called you to do this year. So um, I was just really excited about that. Um, but I um, just went on to uh, fill out the vow. And I felt like God was just saying, um, to live out First Timothy 4.12, it's kind of been my life verse, um, says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. Instead, set an example in speech, love, life, faith, and impurity. Um, yeah, so I just feel like God was just was really putting that on my heart. And um, yeah, and, and so I filled out the vow, you know, and just signed up again for consecration. But after I signed it, I feel like once again, the Lord kind of spoke to me and said, to live consecrated, to live with the mission on your life, this takes consistency. The thing about consistency is it's a day-in, day-out decision. It's something that takes time. It takes intentionality. So immediately after desperation, I kind of took a few steps to kind of start my mission uh, for my school. The first one was just spending time with the Lord, kind of just spending more time in His presence. And I can't stress enough how much that's meant, just spending time with the Lord. So many times we we substitute church, whether that's Sundays, even Wednesday nights here at DSM or desperation, we substitute that for spending time with the Lord. And I think God has called us to spend time with him every day, just, just diving in his word. Um, it's even scriptural too. It says in uh, James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It also says in Joshua 1, 8, meditate on the Lord day and night and do not let his word depart from your mouth. So, and then it's also scriptural because Jesus, before he launched into his ministry, he spent 40 days in the desert. And if Jesus needed 40 days to go in the desert, to pray, to seek and to fast, how much more do we get? How much more do we need to seek him before we go out and, and fulfill God's calling on our life? So that was the first step I took. And the second step was um, accountability. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going at this alone, making sure that um, as I'm praying for my schools, as the Lord was putting a burden on my heart for um, college pathways, I just really felt like God was saying, you know, get people behind you, get people, um, you know, supporting you. So the first place I looked was uh, my parents, for sure. Um, They've just always been so good about supporting me and just praying for me. So let them know what was going on. I talked to Pastor Brandon. Um, He was totally on board. But then uh, also found helping with my friends. One uh, specific friend I wanted to just thank so much was Daniel Sanchez. Um, he's just helped co-lead. So um, he was just always so good at being consistent. That was the one thing I've always seen in Daniel. Just so consistent. He was always consistent. He was never up or down. It was never a spiritual high, spiritual low. He's always just steady going after the Lord. So I was like, God, put that in me. And um, it's just, it confirms with Pastor Brandon says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So it's, it's so true. So now um, there's just a few takeaways I wanted you guys to have from from what's going on. Um, The first one was be specific in your prayers. Pastor Brands um, usually tells his students specific prayers get specific answers, and general prayers will get general answers. So I wanted to put that into practice before um, I started just reaching out to my school and... um, I just felt like um, there, were, there had to be at least one person that God wanted me to reach this year. So I was like, okay, God, just, just highlight one name, highlight a face. Um, so right before I prayed that prayer, I was looking at my class list, and uh, I see this guy. I saw his name, and I was like, oh, yeah, like this guy needs the Lord. That, that's awesome. I can't wait for this opportunity. Then I looked for my next class, and he's in the same class. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's two classes. You know, two, two are better than one for sure. And then... <laughs> Um, and then I look at my next class and he's there again. His name is in there. I'm like, this is crazy. Then in my fourth and final class at College Pathways, there is his name again. I was like, God, like this is confirmation right here. So um, I just, that was kind of a confirmation that specific prayers will get specific answers. So I would encourage you guys, when you're praying for your school, when you're praying for whatever God has put on your heart, be specific and uh, really just pray that out. 
Second uh, takeaway I'd want you guys to have is just be intentional. Uh, the words matter, guys. Words matter so much. In Proverbs 18.21, says that the words have the power of life and death. It also says in Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is wholesome, um, what is only good for building um, each other up and tearing each other down. I mean, just today, I just saw, um, we were just hanging out as students and I saw this one kid, um, he was just trying to talk, get in the conversation, and he kept getting teased, kind of getting picked on, and it kind of got a little far, and I was like, man, these words, like, I, I, I could tell it was hurting him, like, I could tell just from his face, his countenance had changed, like, everything about him just changed, um, his face was kind of downcast, and I was like, gosh, the, the power in our words is just so heavy, so that's, like, step number one, if you guys want to lead your schools, let's be really intentional about what we say, not only to our peers, but to our teachers and to our parents, guys, I cannot tell you how many students, I can't tell you how many, how, how much you'll stand out if you're respecting your teachers, because I've seen so many students just disrespect their teachers, talking behind their back, just something, stuff that they would never say to the teacher's face, so if you want to stand out, you want to be the city on the hill that Jesus has called us to be, let's start by being intentional with the way we talk to each other, how we talk to our peers, how we talk to our teachers, how we talk to those in, the, in authority. So, yeah. So that's, that's, that's another one. Then another takeaway I wanted you guys to, to have is keep a pure heart. It says in Matthew 5 eight, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So, um, and by pure heart, I mean, let's keep our hearts and intentions pure. And that's something that's hard because it takes, once, uh, once again, it takes an everyday kind of, kind of fight. Like, God, today I choose to serve you. Not, not for the rest of my life, not for the rest of these years, Lord, but just today, God, be glorified in me. Put me anywhere. Put your glory in me. I'll serve anywhere, God. Just let me see your kingdom come on earth today. So, um, and by keeping a pure heart, let's not, let's not judge that by results. Cause I think Daniel and I could, could both agree that sometimes our prayer meetings were great. You know, we had like 12 to 15 students showing up. It was, it was great. Um, feel like the spirit was really there, but then there's other ones where it's like just me and Daniel. And we're like, guys, like, come on. And so when, when I'm talking about revival at your school, I'm not talking about 20 to 30 students showing up and, and the Holy Spirit's moving. Like, let's not, let's not judge revival by, by what we can see. It's by our hearts. God's looking at our hearts and he's looking at our motives. It says in Matthew 18, 20, where two or more are gathered in his name, Jesus is going to be there. He's going to invade with the Holy Spirit. So let, um, yeah, let's, let's just really come at revival with, with a sense of God is seeing our hearts. He's seeing our intentions. He's seeing our motives. Another point I wanted to give you guys is just have a heart of surrender. Um, gosh, just when you're trying to see revival at your school, it's an everyday process and it can get really draining. There's days where I'm like, God, I, I don't have the strength. It was a late night last night, whatever. Like, uh, God, I just need you to just to take over. God, this, I surrender this day to you. God, I surrender this conversation. God, I surrender my purity. God, I surrender it all to you today. Um, so I think having a heart of surrender is just um, a critical thing. So the last kind of point I want to leave you guys is um, in Revelation twenty two nineteen it talks about they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And I feel like with these kind of series, it's really easy to kind of get discouraged and like, man, like Casey, Zach, and Miranda, like they got, they got the, the powerful uh, testimonies. They got all the powerful things. Like God, God is like so intense with like their salvation. But here I am, you know accepted the Lord at six and saying, Jesus loves me, this I know. And um, I think that's just a lie that the enemy honestly wants us to believe that, that our testimonies don't matter or yours isn't as dramatic as that person. So, so God doesn't really want to use you as much or, or, you know, I, I, I accepted the Lord when I was so young, but, but they're like, they just got saved and, and their, their story is so intense. Everyone's going to listen to them. They won't care what I say. That's not true, guys. God has, a, he has a story. He has a plan. He has a call for your life. 
So don't don't believe what the enemy says. He has he God has a plan for you, and he has um, a calling that he really wants you to live out. So I would just encourage you guys to be intentional. Um, just be intentional with 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 the day and the times you've given. Now you know we hear it in Esther when he says um, you were you were at where you are at now for such a time as this. For such a time as this, you guys are here. For such a time as this, you know you guys can bring revival to your schools. And guys, like I said, it's not always going to be glamorous. It's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be easy. But guys. Trust me. It says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, it says, I'll beat my body and make it my slave. Lest when I preach the gospel to others, I myself might not be disqualified from the prize. And what that means is that even when our flesh, when culture is crying out to stop, to, to, to relax a second, to relax a day, that that's when you're pushing back and saying, no, I will beat my body. I will make it my slave. I will stop what the culture says. I'm going to stop what the world says about me. So that would that, be my word for you guys. So I'm just going to pray over you real fast. So God, I just thank you for the, the student movement that you, that you have um, risen up here at DSM. God, I thank you that these students, God, are willing to live the vow of passion, intercession, consecration, and mission, Lord God. So I just speak, Lord God, that uh, God, I just pray for a heart of surrender, Lord, that, that they would willingly say, God, put me anywhere. Just put your glory in me, God. I will serve anywhere, God. Just let us see your beauty, God. Just let us see your kingdom come. God, we just want to see your will be done, Jesus. So guys, pray the words of 1 Corinthians uh, 1.8 over us, Lord God, that you would strengthen us until the end, Lord God, so that we would be blameless on the day of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and just stay standing. Let's just stay standing. I want to invite Ben, if you guys will come on up. Tonight, you say, man, I want a story with God. I, I want to have, I want it just to flow out of me. I want to be able to talk about what God's done in my life. Maybe you need God to heal you on the inside, like Miranda was talking about. Maybe you need God to heal your physical body. Maybe you want to be able to have a, a stories about how God's using you to reach your school. Maybe you're in a place where you just need want God to invade and have something show up at your doorstep. And you go, that's Jesus. He's working in my life. All right, but if you say, I want to enter into God's story, his story, I believe God wants to use every single one of you. I believe God wants to touch every single one of you. Not one of you, no matter how far, how messed up, how broken, how hurt, how pathetic you feel, how distant from God you feel, no matter how, whatever your story is, God wants to do a miracle in your life. And so we want to take a minute and we just want to invite God and just say, God, we want to encounter you. God, we want to enter into your story. We want stories that give honor and praise to you. Raise your hands with me. Just raise them high. Here we are, God. We're your people. We love being your people. God, these stories that just roll off the tongue of your activity in our lives, it's not just for these four. It's for every one of us. So God, we ask, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you come? God, we surrender our lives and we pray that we would enter into your story. We don't want to live to make our story famous. We want your story to be famous. We want to be consumed with the one who knows everything, who loves us completely. 
Jesus, have your way, we pray. We want to enter in, God. We want to truly walk with you and know you, Jesus. God, we want passion on the inside. We want to love you with all of our hearts. Like Victor said, we want to get alone with you and know you in the secret place, God. God, we want to be a generation of intercession, knowing that it's not by our own physical might, it's about what you can do, God. We want to be, a, we want to be a, a, a kids that pray. God, we want to be holy and set apart, consecrated, holy yours. And God, we want to have a vision and a purpose and a mission. So Jesus, I pray that you would do a miracle and the hundreds of stories of young men and women that are here tonight. We love you, Jesus. We pray that your story in us, through us, would be on our tongues, that we would talk about it. We would share the story of Jesus. We would share our stories of our transformation because of you. We love you so much, Jesus. In Jesus' name, and all of DSM said amen. Let's give the God of the ages a big hand tonight.